You're listening to the Paleo NP podcast, episode number 32. Welcome to the Paleo NP podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, podcast friends. I know that these have been very sporadic lately, and I'm trying really hard to get episodes out on a more consistent basis, Um, but I've just, I've got a lot going on, unfortunately, so I am doing my best. I want to talk about a couple of things before I get into the good stuff for this week. First is that my e-course, the Find Your Perfect Diet course, is live. So if you're listening to this episode when it releases, then you'll have about two weeks to sign up before registration closes on December 31st. And I'm not sure when I'm going to open it up again. So if you want to get a jump start on your New Year's goals, then you should definitely get in on this now. This course is video-based, but there's also a workbook and transcripts from the video. So if you prefer to read instead of listen, you can do that too. And I just walk you through all of the same steps that I go through with my clinic patients to figure out exactly what you should be eating. This is not a situation where you're going to get a list of yes or no foods or a set of complicated rules. This is me teaching you exactly how you can design your own perfect diet. And there's also a Facebook group where you can get more support if you need that. I'll be doing some live videos in there. Um, This is pretty much going to be the only way that you have one-on-one access to me um, because I'm not doing any one-on-one clients right now uh, unless you live in Anchorage, Alaska and come to see me in the clinic. So this is also a big deal because diets are so individualized and what works for me might not work for you. So it's important to learn how to determine what will work for you. So then it's 100% perfect for you and not what works for somebody else. So if you suffer from fatigue or you want to lose weight or you keep getting breakouts and can't figure out what the heck is going on, then I definitely recommend that you check this course out. I will put a link in the show notes, um, but you can learn more at marthaflorence.com forward slash find your perfect diet. That's all one word, no spaces. Or if that's too hard to remember, you can go to marthaflorence.com forward slash three two for the show notes and there'll be a link there. The other thing that I want to talk about quickly is that there is now a page on my website where you can go to shop for all of my favorite products and services that I've tested and I love. And I've done this so that there is a way to support this show without putting ads into it. I don't really have anything against ads and podcasts. Most of the time, I just don't know that I really want to go that route. So I've compiled a page of handpicked sponsors, some with discounts available just for you. So when you shop those links, not only are you supporting this show, but you also can trust that I've done the work to find the best options when it comes to products and services for anyone who is looking to improve their health, both from the inside out and from the outside in. 
So you can find all of that at marthaflorence.com slash shop, or if you just go to the main page of my website, which is marthaflorence.com, you can find a link along the top navigation that right now it just says shop. That may change. I don't know. I have a hard time deciding on this kind of stuff. Anyway, onto the good stuff. After having several patients in my clinic do a Dutch test and some blood tests, I discovered something really interesting, which prompted me to do some more research. And I thought that I would share all of that with you guys. So most of them had normal levels of B12 in their blood test, but on their Dutch test, which tests the metabolite of B12, um, call it's the abbreviation is MMA. It's methylmalonic acid, I think. Um, so most of them had that level was elevated, which means that they were B12 deficient. So like I said, this prompted me to do some digging. What I discovered was actually that B12 deficiency turns out to be much, much more common than a lot of the statistics indicate. And the consequences of that, especially if undiagnosed, can be quite devastating. So B12 deficiency is associated with disorders that are similar in their presentation to MS or even something like Parkinson's. Also, it's associated with brain fog, memory issues, cognitive decline, heart disease, stroke, and some other vascular issues, which is primarily due to elevated homocysteine levels. So B12 is needed to convert homocysteine back into methionine. It can also be associated with impaired immune function, autoimmune disease, learning disabilities in kids, and cancer and infertility. One of the biggest issues with diagnosing B12 deficiency is exactly what I discovered with my patients. Serum B12 actually only picks up on a tiny fraction of people who are B12 deficient, which is a problem in and of itself. But an even more widespread issue is that most practitioners don't actually even bother to test B12 levels. I would say that well over 75% of the patients that I see in the clinic have actually never had their B12 tested, which is kind of crazy to me considering how cheap and easy it is to test and what a big deal it is. And the 25% of patients who have had their serum B12 tested generally have come from other more holistic or functional-minded medical practices, not straight from a more conventional practicing doctor. The even more serious underlying problem here is that the serum B12 test measures the total amount of B12 in the blood, but it still doesn't rule out a B12 deficiency. There are actually much more sensitive markers for B12, one of which is the methylmalonic acid test, which is what the Dutch test includes. So that's MMA, and that can be measured in the blood or in the urine. And the Dutch test actually measures that in urine. There's also a test called HOLO-TC, HOLO, it's HOLO-transcobalamin or HOLO-TC, which is used a lot in Europe and is considered actually to be the most sensitive marker for testing B12 status, but that is not something that's common in the US. As I alluded to earlier, homocysteine is another test that's indicative of B12 status, but it's not exclusively related to B12, so it is also related to folate, um, B12 or bi vitamin B6 deficiency. So even though it's more sensitive than just a serum B12 level, just because you have elevated homocysteine levels does not mean that you are deficient in B12. You would need to do some additional testing to figure out what exactly the problem is there. 
And because the body typically has large stores of B12, deficiency develops in stages. B12 deficiency develops in stages. So your serum B12 might not actually go below the range that's considered normal until very late in the game. Typically, homocysteine and MMA can detect a deficiency before it becomes what we call a functional deficiency or manifests with symptoms. In the beginning stages of B12 deficiency, your blood levels actually start to decline, which then results in low cellular concentration of B12. So that's stages one and two of deficiency. Then your homocysteine increases, which is stage three. And then finally you get uh, macrocytic anemia, which is stage four. There's a misconception that true B12 deficiency is a rare occurrence, but this is actually based on the data collected from only using low serum B12 as an indicator for deficiency. There's also the incorrect assumption that B12 deficiency is only a problem for vegans and vegetarians. And then if you ask vegans and vegetarians, they'll tell you that it's not actually an issue for them. So the current statistics show that about 7% of vegetarians are B12 deficient and about 52% of vegans. So this is again using that relatively insensitive marker of serum B12. Then there are more recent studies using more sensitive markers that have shown that 83% of vegans and 68% of vegetarians were deficient in B12. And when they were just using the serum B12, only 7% of vegetarians were deficient. But then when you look at the more sensitive markers, which catches it earlier, that number is actually 68%, which is kind of a large number. Then when you look at those who consume an omnivorous diet, only about 5% were deficient, but given, and that's again using serum B12. So given that almost every person I've done a Dutch test on in my clinic, all of whom are omnivores, most of whom are eating a diet that is sufficient in dietary B12, they all have elevated MMA, which indicates low B12 status. So I'm guessing that that number is actually much, much higher than 5%. Again, I have a very small sample size in my clinic, but I would say that they probably generally represent the population at large. So I think this is probably a much bigger deal than we're giving it credit for. One reason for this deficiency in omnivores is that because whether you are deficient in a nutrient or not isn't just related to how much of that nutrient you're eating, it also is important, how well you're absorbing it is also important too. There's a genetic component that affects the way that you use nutrients as well. And I'm not going to get into that because it is more complicated than I care to talk about right now. So conditions like SIBO, which is bacterial, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, also can decrease the absorption of vitamins like B12. And this is because these bacteria can actually also use B vitamins. So these bacteria that are growing in your small intestines where they don't belong, take the B vitamins for themselves and you get less of it. Low stomach acid can also be a problem, which which would decrease the absorption of B12. So even people who consume plenty of B12 but have low stomach acid or something like SIBO or anything else that affects the way that you absorb and utilize vitamins and nutrients can actually have a deficiency, even though it looks from their diet like they shouldn't have a problem because they're getting plenty of it. Early B12 deficiency is pretty much undetectable, which is really unfortunate, um, unless you're using that holo TC test that I mentioned earlier. B12 doesn't always cause what I what's called macrocytic anemia. So that means that your um, blood cells get really big when you have a B12 deficiency. And it doesn't always do that until late in the game. 
but you may start to have a functional or even physical symptoms before all of those things happen. So macrocytic anemia is typically like the last thing that happens in a B12 deficiency situation. It's also possible that you can remain completely asymptomatic until you are very, very deficient. And this matters a lot because some of the more serious manifestations of B12, such as nerve damage, are actually irreversible. So we have this sticky situation where B12 deficiency is very underdiagnosed because it's not being adequately tested for, but the symptoms can take years to become evident, and even some of the more serious side effects can be irreversible if B12 deficiency has gone on for long enough. And it's actually pretty well established in the scientific literature that some people who have quote-unquote normal levels of B12, which would be um, between 200 and 350, actually have symptoms of B12 deficiency. And I'll link to um, an article about that in the show notes. Some experts who specialize in the diagnosis and treatment of B12 deficiency suggest treating any um, symptomatic patient with a B12 level of less than 450. And I'll link to the book that that comes from. There are also recommendations for treatment of patients who have normal serum B12 levels, but who also have elevated um, MMA and or homocysteine levels. So at a very minimum, I would encourage everyone to have their B12 levels checked. But as I've already mentioned, that's actually pretty inadequate in most cases to detect an early deficiency. That being said, homocysteine is a lab that you should be able to get almost any primary care provider to order for you. It's a well-known marker for cardiovascular disease and it's relatively inexpensive. But remember that if your homocysteine is high, that doesn't pinpoint you having a B12 deficiency. It could be B6 or it could be folate. Um, but at the very least, it might be a way for you to get your healthcare provider to order some more advanced testing if your homocysteine is elevated, like a serum or urine MMA test. I don't have a lot of experience with the serum MMA testing because I primarily primarily use the Dutch test, which tests it through urine. But from what I've read, the urine MMA test is actually a better option than serum because it's more concentrated in the urine than it is in the blood. And as I've already talked about, the other thing to keep in mind is that the lab reference range for serum B12 is probably not particularly accurate. And this is true with most lab values because these conventional ranges are typically designed to detect disease and not look at optimal levels. So if you have symptoms of B12 deficiency and your serum B12 is on the lower end of the range, so maybe below 350, it's likely that you have a deficiency or that you are developing a deficiency. In Japan, the lower end of the normal range is actually 500, which is pretty much smack dab in the middle of the range that we use here in the U.S., so if you get your test results back and your serum B12 is something like 320, you'll be considered normal. But honestly, at that level, there is a very good chance that you are either in early stages of B12 deficiency. And my guess is that if you were to measure your homocysteine or your MMA, that they would actually be out of range and indicate that you do have a deficiency. Also remember that homocysteine and MMA have an inverse relationship with B12. So when those things are high, so when your homocysteine or your MMA test is high, that means that your serum B or that your B12 status is low. 
Also remember that a high serum B12 does not rule out a functional deficiency. So there is a little bit of finesse involved in interpreting these results, which is why working with a practitioner who understands all of this is important beyond just saying that you are normal or not. If you do actually have a B12 deficiency, then you need to increase your B12 intake. And my first choice would be to eat foods that are rich in B12. This is kind of the way that I feel about all nutrients in general. You should be getting them from food. The best sources of B12 are liver, clams, oysters, shellfish, and other organ meats. If you were to eat just one serving of each one of these foods every week, so a serving of liver, a serving of clams, a serving of oyster, and a serving of shellfish during the same week, then you would probably be meeting your B12 needs pretty easily. Foods like beef, lamb, cheese, and eggs are also good sources of B12, but they have far less in them than organ meats and shellfish, so you would need to eat more. There's also this idea that amongst vegans and vegetarians that it's possible to get B12 from seaweed, fermented soy products, spirulina, brewer's yeast, etc. But those plant foods actually contain an analog of B12 that's called cobamates, and they actually block the uptake of and increase your need for actual B12. So they bind to specific transport molecules that are intended for the transport of B12 and end up competing with B12, which is what makes it more difficult for the body to utilize actual B12. So by this thinking, the more cobamides that you consume, the harder it is for your body to actually utilize B12. There are also studies that show that these B12 analogs bind to something called intrinsic factor, which is something that is absolutely critical for the absorption of B12 from the food that we eat. So if you are a vegan or a vegetarian, you should absolutely be getting your B12 levels measured with one of the more sensitive tests in order to ensure that you're actually getting enough B12. And if you aren't, then you definitely need to be supplementing. Also remember that adequate treatment of B12 deficiency depends on what the underlying cause is. So if you have pernicious anemia or an inflammatory gut condition like Crohn's, then you are likely to have impaired absorption and simply supplementing with B12 orally or from food might not be adequate and you may need something like B12 injections. Cyanocobalamin is not only my favorite word to say ever, it's the most commonly used form of B12 supplementation in the US. But there's evidence that suggests that hydroxycobalamin is a better option than cyanocobalamin and that methylcobalamin might be better than both. Studies done in Japan show that methylcobalamin is especially good for treating neurological symptoms because it bypasses several of the places in the B12 absorption cycle where things can go wrong. So if you're having symptoms of B12 deficiency, it's definitely worth pestering your healthcare provider to order you a test or two to check your levels. And some of those symptoms include strange sensations, numbness, tingling in the hands, legs, or feet, difficulty walking, so staggering or balance problems, anemia, a swollen or inflamed tongue, difficulty thinking and reasoning, maybe even memory loss, irritability, weakness, and fatigue. And I'd say that if you are below about 400, then you should probably consider trying to consume more B12 or finding a functional health practitioner to help you figure out what the underlying cause of your deficiency is and to reverse that. 
So I hope that you found this information helpful. If you know of somebody who might benefit from what I talked about today, be sure to share this episode with them. And if you're loving the show, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. I would also love it if you would leave a rating or review in iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time. 